Today on Movie Wallers, we talk about, about my father, past lives, and Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yazdi as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or on the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you, all of you. And you, and you, and you. Every one of you. Me, me, me. And them. And us. And me. And also for Yalu, yes. <laughs> and for you. Oh, right. Yalu makes an appearance again. <laughs> Yalu. You know, you cracked me up when you said that a couple of podcasts ago. Yes. I, really, I really choked. I threw everybody off. <laughs> you did. Uh, I listened back to it. It made me laugh. All right. Um, welcome to our latest podcast. Three, three movies. Two kind of smaller entries, but one mega entry. Well, probably the biggest movie of the year so far in terms of anticipation and release so i'm really looking forward to chatting about those um although bobby is coming could be a more monumental it event literally releases on the same day as chris nolan's oppenheimer oh well then we'll meet after the movie yeah no no not gonna happen <laughs> in fact we could probably do a double bill um i don't know why they do that why do that? Why why pitch yourself unnecessarily against a juggernaut? Just well, go apart, the next week. Apart from us film geeks, I don't know that there's a huge overlap in, in yeah, target audience. In interest. <laughs> That's true. You think people who love Oppenheimer are gonna love Bobby? I would think I would think twenty, twenty five percent of the general American population might want to see both. Am I wrong? Well we all do. Yeah, for but, different but reasons. But it's geeks. only 20%. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're like, we, we want to watch everything. But there's some people who only want to watch Oppenheimer. Some people who only want to watch Oppenheimer. And the only reason I would want to watch Barbie is Greta Gerwig is at the helm of it. And mm-hmm. I think I trust her mm-hmm. to do something smart with the franchise. Otherwise, if somebody else said there's a Barbie movie coming out, I would literally be like, really? You know, it's like... Well, the, you'd come because I'd drag you. The latest Trolls movie or something like that. Like some, yeah. you know, I, I would think it's like a, you know, a toy company franchise, you know, but Greta Goig, I, I, I'll, I'll give her that. I think she will do something yeah. smart and hopefully insightful. And it's Barbie. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about more streaming picks because I think we've got a couple minutes to do that at the beginning of this podcast. So here's our segment. I can't, I can't find, find anything, anything to, watch to watch on video on, video on, video on demand. What have you been watching? I would recommend a movie and I would recommend it wholeheartedly to one and all. There isn't a person in the world I would not recommend this movie to. And that is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Yay. This was a movie that came out last year. Yeah. And uh, it was nominated. It was nominated for Best Costume Design for sure, if not other things. It stars the wonderful, wonderful uh, Isabel Huppert in in a supporting role. But the lead role is played by Leslie Manville. And this movie is, let's just say it, it's kind of a modern day Cinderella story. Only Cinderella happens to be an older widowed 
cleaning lady in 1950s London who falls madly in love with a couture Dior dress and decides that she must have one of her own. And off she goes to, you know, a Dior uh, boutique to get it. And it's it's just a warm hug of a movie. It's fun. It's sweet. It's kind. Uh, it's like a ye olde time. It is. It's, it's just like, simple and lovely. Yeah. It's a very handsomely made movie. Yes. With old fashioned sensibilities. Yes. It's delightful. It yeah. is just delightful. There's this kind of British delightful movies that nobody else can make. And this is one of those. Just just watch it. Yeah. Good pick, Yassi. Thank me later. Yes. What Mine is also a kind of a hug of a movie or eight hugs of a movie because it is My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. It is the documentary that came out a few years ago. It was also Oscar nominated, I believe. And it is about a deep sea diver who forms a relationship with a cute little octopus. Yes, and it's an actual documentary, and it's, it's an, an actual, actual octop- documentary. It's an actual octopus, and it's an actual sea, deep sea dry- diver who is going through somewhat of a crisis. I was going to say, I mean, it's an it's a joy of a movie. I won't I won't take that away from it, but um, I couldn't help but empathise for the guy, the main guy who's telling the story, because I feel like despite the relationship with this octopus that he develops, it's replacing something else yeah. that's missing in his life, and. Uh, he knows that, and he's he's, he's very. But I, I I I felt a lot of sympathy for him in a way that I don't think was quite the the, the, the main purpose of the the story. I should also say my one big regret about this movie is that I couldn't get to watch it on the big screen. I mean, this is easily one of the most visually stunning movies I have seen. Just it, you know, it was direct. The main guy who you know, who made the documentary used to be a National Geographic photographer. So he knows his cameras and he knows his lenses and he knows how to, you know, show the underworld as gorgeously as uh, possible. And if only, only the Disney people had the good sense to maybe hire him for the Little Mermaid live action remake. I was just going to say it wouldn't be as murky as you explained last podcast. Yes, but I I digress. (laughs) Yes. Joe, right. what is your pick? My pick this week is a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway because it really was one of my favourite movies of 2022. Freddie got fingered. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't think that's even in my porn collection. No. What on earth are you talking it about? It was a horrible movie with Drew Barrymore and this okay. guy she used to date. Uh, what was his name? Justin the Long? No. There oh, was the, this, other guy, the other uh, guy with the beard. Right. Uh, Something Tom, somebody. But anyway, it was called Freddy Godfinger. Yeah. It was one of the worst reviewed movies of all okay, time. Okay, yeah. anyway. Not that one. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going with uh, George Miller's 3,000 Years oh. of Longing, which is... Awful movie. No, it's a, wonderful. It's a fantasy drama um, by George Miller. I'm about Miller, to gag. Who directed uh, the Mad Max movies, among other things, but most known for Mad Max. Um, and... Uh, I mean, the reason I like this movie is it, it it's so visually compelling. It takes us through all sorts of different, very creative, uh, uh, unusual kind of set designs. It's a wonderful performance here by um, Tilda Swinton, uh, who is um, you know kind of got this odd protagonist, uh, odd, odd accent all the way through it. Idris Elba plays a genie. Um, and the whole thing just plays out like this kind of very bizarre old style fairy tale. Um, but it, for me, it's all about Miller's 
visuals here. It's it's so sumptuous and colorful and inventive. They must have spent a gazillion dollars on any one of the kind of subplot story elements. Just uh, uh, and and yeah, just a, a very visually arresting movie to you know for for me. And and yeah, you know, is it perfect? No, but did I enjoy the no. hell out of it? Absolutely. It's so unusual in its structure. Mm. It's based on this A.S. Byatt novel or novella. And yeah, when it's in the hands of somebody like George Miller, who, you know, who's a visualist uh, with very limited budget, mind you. Um, and I think it's also very wistful towards the end. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a journey. I mean, it's, this too can be cinema. I love it. Yeah. And it's not long. It's, it's, not it's long. under a couple hours long. So. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, your pick was? My pick was Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, streaming live on Amazon Prime. Rashmi. The Octopus Teacher on Netflix. And mine was 3,000 Years of Longing on Amazon Prime as well. Mm. All right. Movie review time. So... Uh, let's start with our first movie of the week, which is about my father. And I think Rashmi. I do. Um, unfortunately, I didn't see this, but um, the description, which I will read here, will makes me think I would enjoy this. So <clears throat> the hottest um, uh, comic in America, Sebastian Maniscalco, joins forces with legendary Italian-American and two-time Oscar winner Robert De Niro in the new comedy about my father. And this film centers... Um, about uh, uh, the film centers around Sebastian, who is encouraged by his fiance, played by Leslie Bibb, to bring his immigrant hairdresser father, Salvo, played by Robert De Niro, to a weekend get together with her super rich and exceedingly eccentric family, um, which includes Kim Cattrall, Anders Home, Brett Dyer, and David Rash. And the weekend, as you can imagine, develops into what can only be described as a culture clash, leaving Sebastian and Salvo to discover that the great thing about family is everything about family. So this sounds funny, although I'm worried because Robert De Niro has been doing strange work recently, I think. So Yazdi, is this worth it? Um, if you're sitting in the back of a plane, nothing else to watch, Ooh, by all okay. means, go watch it. It's okay. a six out of ten. For me, wow. I, it's, it's okay. unusual that I give my score up front. Yeah. But I watched this movie and it's, what, two weeks ago. It's completely evaporated from my head. Uh, I had to look at my notes. It's it's a piffle of a movie. It's kind of a fun time. It 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 wants to be meet the parents. That's what I was worried about. Meet the parents meets the proposal a little bit. Um, you know, it's about him going to the home of, you know, this very proper, very wealthy uh, family of his girlfriend and he wants to propose to her and he brings his dad around and his dad is a bit, I don't, I mean, I think- Immigrant? Is it yeah, that? no, but but you know the, the the trailers and the the marketing would make it seem like you know he's this uncouth, crazy person who just like blows up their home or something, and he's not. I think he's just of a different generation, a different set of values. Um, there are there are parts of the movie that really work. Uh, it it has its heart in the right place. Uh, it was not. I thought it would be one of those gross out comedies where somebody poops in somebody's soup and somebody drinks it or something. Oh. Brothers type you know, something, thing. something okay. like that. But it's not that movie at all. It's actually very uh, thoughtful. Uh, the last act seems a little unearned, but, you know, surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, maybe surprisingly only in terms of what De Niro has been doing off late. You know, he actually 
takes dialogue which is, you know, a little bit wobbly and makes it all stick. Um, Kim Cattrall, we don't see her often in the big screen. She's kind of fun to watch as, you know, the mother of the girl. Um, it's inoffensive. It has its heart in the right place. <laughs> it's well made. It's not the best film. You won't remember it. It's very Six rare that I see you struggling to yeah. talk about a movie, which says a lot. And I don't know that it means you hated it because your score didn't imply that at all. But no, uh, I wish I hated leave a big it. impression on you. Yeah, I wish I hated it because then I would have more to <laughs> say about it. Because it's it this seems is perfectly the adequate. Right. The, the harder movies are the ones which have. Uh, you know, a good heart and they mm-hmm. mean well, but they just don't, I don't know. I wish this movie had a bigger impact. Mm. There's a running gag in the movie about a peacock which just goes too far and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it sounds like Ben Stiller could be um, substituted for the but it's for not, the current comic. it's not at all, even even mildly raunchy. It, it, that's not No, not because line. of the raunch, but because of the... Yeah, meet the parents' wife. Yeah, sure. that's kind of slapstick shtick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it means well. All right. Okay. That Fine. could possibly be a record review. <laughs> yeah. Um, usually, usually I'm rambling and rambling. I know. And rambling. Well, normally it's like, you have to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got two other movies to talk about. No, yeah. uh, but okay. Well, that, that's, that's perfectly, perfectly adequate. serviceable. Yeah. And look, you need those movies for the back of an airplane. Absolutely. Right. You need those kind of mindless tra- that that help you be in that trance like state. So Correct. perfect. Correct. Okay. Perfectly inoffensive, well meaning movie. Not definitely not a rush out and see is no. what I'm not no. getting that from no. you. Robert De Niro doesn't need to polish off his Oscar tux for this one. Uh, maybe for not for this one, but maybe for the new Scorsese, which is coming up later yes. in the year. But yeah, that's... Um, I'm really excited I read that. the book. Uh, oh, uh, you've read the book? Yeah, Killers oh. of the Flower Moon. Yes, I want to yeah. read the book. A difficult book for me. Mm. Not for everyone, but it's a very, very well-loved book, but it was recommended by a friend of mine and... I struggled through it. Because it's nonfiction, right? Y- yeah, but it's yeah. it has... Um, Is it written like fiction? Uh, it's it's written... And I think part of it was I got the Audible book version mm, of it, okay. which was narrated by somebody as if they were kind of reading a memoir. Mm. And so it didn't... It, it just didn't land with me. Right. Sometimes the performance on Audible can detract from that. That was one of the cases. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but still, um, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. The lead character wears this uh, shirt all the time with this name, Sergio Tacchini. I don't even know. I'm like, did they? Did Sergio Tacchini pay them money to? They must have. I don't know. It was very weird. It was, it was a like, designer that, that I remember. It was a designer being... from the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. <coughs> so it was weird. I'm like, why do I keep seeing this again and again and again through the whole movie? But anyway. Okay. So we have... Movie number two, yes. which is Past Lives. And I think, have I been given the responsibility to talk about this? I may as well. Yes, um, you might as well. So um, apologies. In the last podcast, uh, I said uh, the director who directed You Hurt My Feelings, Nicole Hollis, you know, was a directorial debut. The directorial debut that I was thinking of going into these podcasts was uh, director Celine Song, who has directed a movie called Past Lives. Now, we saw that um, as part, I believe, um, it wasn't necessarily related to the San Diego Asian Film Festival, but it was... um, uh, put forth as a screening by Pacific Arts, who does handle the San Diego Asian Film Festival. So props to to them for um, getting this uh, this screened and 
um, having us uh, attend. So um, <clears throat> very briefly, um, the movie uh, is about two childhood friends, Nora and Hai Sung, um, who are pulled apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea to the United States. Two decades later, they are reunited in New York for one fateful week as they confront notions of destiny, love, and the choices that make a life in this heart-rending modern romance. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, it's directed by Celine Song, her first movie at the helm of, uh, in the role of director, and stars Greta Lee um, and Tae Yu. As, uh, and, and John Magaro as Arthur. All actors that I'm unfamiliar with, so again, if I have missed entries on the CV that I'd, I should be talking about, then I yes. apologise. You did not watch First Cow, did you? I did watch First oh. Cow and I hated every okay. single I loved it. I loved frame it too. of that movie. But John Magaro was in that movie. Yes. Okay, well, he was the one who was making the little cookies. Yes. For all intents and purposes, <laughs> this is John Magaro's first movie for me. <laughs> because First Cow has been banished Erased. from my memory. <clears throat> so what do the two of you think of past lives? So welcome to my favourite movie of the year. Um, I thought so. This is such a poignant, gentle movie that will leave you misty-eyed and just gut-punched. It's not because it's sad, but rather it leaves you with this feeling of melancholy and emptiness at the end, even though it's got some super sweet and funny moments along the way. And I came out of there feeling like I felt when I watched Manchester by the Sea, even though they're not related movies at all. But it had that same depth of feeling. And just watching the trailer yesterday when we went to watch another movie, I, I was in tears again. This is, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. I'll, I'll stop there. I've got a lot more to say, but I, I love this movie. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, this movie won, the I think, the Audience Award at Sundance and A24 acquired it. And I was like, you know, if H I'll watch anything that Agree. A24 Agree. distributes. Um, I said this for uh, Polite Society. I said this for Joyland. And I'm going to say this again for Past Lives. It, it's an entire miracle that a movie with no-name actors these days makes it to the cinema. Um, if it does, I think you owe it to yourself to go watch it because it has to be pretty exceptional. Um this is an exceptional movie. I think this is a great movie. We don't often get to call a movie great because, you know, no movie comes comes out in as good a form. Every movie is kind of a, uh, a learning experience for the people who got together to make it. This movie just comes out like, like a diamond crystal clear. Like like you, it's, it's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, hands, hands down, it's going to be on my list of the best movies of the year. But I also, I think I've already done the harm in that this film is so delicate and so fragile that I hesitate to make much about it because I don't want to deprive people from the, from kind of the fresh experience of, of going through this movie. On the face of it, I think there will be people who will find it too slow and there will be people who will complain that nothing happens in this movie. Why are you guys singing its praises? And that's okay. That's fine. But for me, it's, it, it's an experience. It's, it was so much. And I, I would recommend people not watch the trailer, stop listening to us. And when the movie shows up, just go and watch the movie. Um, don't go with big expectations, but it, 
it's it's a miracle of a movie. It's did just it make genu- you tear? It's genuinely it's genuinely great. Yes, it did. Yeah. Joe, this will be interesting. Uh, I'll echo what you said about not watching the trailer. It has, in order, I think, to try and pull people into the movie, its trailer does the crime of pretty much laying out the entire movie um, with some very key moments that I think would have... Um, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know before going in so yeah i mean gosh i i'm not a fan of trailers at the best of times um this is one where certainly i, I wouldn't recommend seeing it okay uh, what do i think of the movie yeah it it's hauntingly beautiful uh and it's very 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 reserved in its delivery i think um what is it's not a, it's not so much about this movie exists between the frames because it it, it doesn't it lays its story out kind of you know, sequentially and and fairly um, fairly obviously, but there's just a delicateness to how the story is told. There's a reality to the situation of how people um, you know lose touch. You know, I think back across my life and think about you know friends and people that I have not stayed connected with. with you know, uh, you kind of wonder about who they are. Well, in this movie, uh, these these people reconnect. Um, and, you know, we kind of see how, how it all plays out. It walks around 101 land miles of many lesser mm-hmm. romantic uh, kind of stories here. Um, and, yeah, it leaves you... I hate to I hate to bring up Terrence Malick, but there's a dreaminess to the way yeah. that this movie flows. Because um, it's not a swoopy Terrence Malick, you know, uh, very abstract type thing. It's very, it's very much more conventional that. But, but what I'm trying to say is, there's there's a dreamlike feel to this movie and how it flows and and the way it, you know it's beautifully shot. Um, it handles its locations and characters with just the right touch. There's a, a character in here, the the husband, um, the. Um, Played by John McGarrow. John, thank you. His first movie, according to you. (laughs) A fine fellow there, which, again, um, with literally, um, you know, one or two differences in words uh, uh, of of script could have been completely destroyed in terms of his his credibility here. And yet, you know, despite um, the situation into which he's placed, uh, I believed uh, every word of it. So, yeah, this this is quite lovely. Yeah, it's not really about anything and it's not even a traditional romantic movie of any kind, but it's about so many things. It's about fitting in and leaving everything you know and immigration, yeah. Pursuing your dreams and who Life. you are. Yeah. It's it's a feeling that just washes over you and it's I have to say Greta Lee is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um yes, you started the Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Um, sorry, not the Mrs. Harris, the Julia Louise Dreyfus um, campaign for Best Actress. I'm going to start the one for Greta Lee because it's such an it's such a quiet performance, and she conveys so much without saying anything at times. And it's funny, like the movies actually f- like laugh out loud funny at times. But my, I cannot stop thinking about this every time I think about it. My eyes. Well up, because it's this idea of you can be perfectly happy in your life, but feel 
like something is missing and not understand why. Yeah, it's all very... And it's kind of like sliding doors a little bit too. Yeah. Evoke that kind of sliding doors. There's a lot what of if what, you'd done what this? Might and, yeah, what might have been? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of what... It, there's an aching quality to it, but the thing is, it's never intentionally looking for that aching quality. It just it just comes across, and the movie jumps across decades, you know, often. Uh, and I think again, that might be a little uh, alienating for some viewers. They're like, you know, these people don't seem to be doing much. All they're doing is talking, and then ten years later, they're talking again. And what's the deal? So. I, I can understand again, some people, it, it, this may not be the film for them, but I think the movie's going for a true understanding of these characters, mainly two, maybe three characters. And, you know, speaking of the Greta Lee character, and I, it, this is very much intentionally so, she's not an open character. No. I, I don't think that I know her. I, I've watched her movie. I don't think I know her as a person. But we seldom know anybody as a person. And she it's not a very open character, but we have lived with her. We understand her. And that's that's a harder thing to do, I think, than playing somebody who's very open, who's screaming, who is selfish, who is greedy, whatever. She's not none of those things. It's very delicate. Go on. No, I mean, at, at risk of, of, you know, sounding too kind of generalist about cultures, but I think that that is a, a personality trait of of many asian cultures where i think um you know she she's she is kind of closed off and mm-hmm. almost overly pragmatic mm-hmm. uh, about um her feelings and and life is she the bad guy i don't know is she hurtful i don't know is she selfish i don't know but is any of is anybody anything? That's the real world. <laughs> nobody is like evil, and nobody's one thing, yeah, right? It's also one thing, not yeah. you're, you're not just one thing. You're a, you're a multitude of things that show up as a yeah. complete person, and there's not like a voice raised or anything in this movie there's either. Nobody ever screams. Does anybody scream? I don't. It think It never gets melodramatic, which could have easily happened, I think, in this movie. Yeah, and, I, <clears throat> and two things I want to say. One is that. Nobody speaks in this movie like they were in a play, right? Sometimes you hear people speaking stuff which is like nobody in real life actually talks like this. It seems very attuned to how people talk. And yet it's kind of wise and philosophical. Some things that people say each other, you can almost put that as an epithet on your, you know, you could have a meme with that, with what they just said. Yeah. And I think that's why the script is so good and it invests its time early on with these characters and when people stay true to who they are, at the end, it can pay back rich dividends. And, you know, by the time you get to the last 10 or 15 minutes, everything everybody's saying comes with so much weight because you have known these characters and you've known where they're coming from and where they are at at this place. Everything comes with a weight. And I think that's so difficult to do in movies. And then the other thing I want to also say is that a big portion of this movie is shot in New York City and the cinematography. I mean, you mentioned Stunning. Terrence Malick. It's so beautiful. It's almost almost exclusively shot on location and there's like long takes where people, where the actors are talking, but the compositions are so beautiful. Uh, so it's not just that somebody wrote an exceptional script and put together these unknown actors. It's They know what they're doing. I mean, they've gotten the right collaborators and you know, even visually, it's it's quite 
quite remarkable. And I, you know, I think we're all being deliberately cagey about diving too deep into yes. what's happening yes. for a reason, because I, I want everybody to experience this movie and what, what the ups and downs of what happens. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I mean, I can sum this one up. Um, this is like one of the best love poems I've ever experienced. And I would watch this in every life. Oh, I should say we should mention because it's in the trailer, but maybe not. But, you know, there's this concept the, the, at the heart of the movie is the Korean concept of inyun, which means fate. And it, it's, it says that two people on the road who don't know, know each other, if they brush against each other's clothes, it's because they're fated to do so. And that's and, and the movie kind of builds on that. And, and the belief is by the time somebody's married, they have like 8,000 levels of, have, you know, these kind of... Uh, interactions in, in past interactions lives. Interactions in past yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in its genuine wistfulness and aching romanticism even as it stays resolutely rooted, you know, to the realities of life, I think it earns a place very comfortably along what I consider the greatest romantic movie ever made, which is uh, in The Mood for Love, Wong Kar Lai's Mood for Love. Yes. This movie can sit very comfortably next to it. And it's as aching and as genuine and as devastating as that movie is. And I can give this movie no higher praise. It No movie has... You know, you feel what you feel. No movie has made me feel as much this year in the cinema theater as this one has. Such an easy nine out of 10 for me. Yeah, sorry. Mine is also yes. a nine. Yeah. Yeah. Such an easy nine out of 10, yeah. Joe. Uh, no, this is very accomplished and I, I feel <coughs> the need. I, I mean, I immediately asked uh, because we did see it as part of Pacific Arts and I wasn't sure. I'm glad I, I didn't pick up on the fact that it was being distributed by A24. But I remember saying to the the uh, the press uh, representative for this movie um, that I want to champion this because I think it's the kind of thing that's going to be very easily overlooked mm -hmm. by so many people and yet there isn't a single person who who enjoys film and movies that I wouldn't recommend this to um, so I didn't quite <clears throat> it's more of a Joe thing rather than the movie right so I didn't quite love this movie in the same way that the two of you did I mean you know it affected me emotionally but it didn't devastate me and I, I and I think you know, it's kind of it's kind of subtle right yeah it's very um, I mean, nobody I should be, expect to be devastated at least yeah it's fine it, and it yeah. depends where you come from yeah, right well, it yeah. depends where, what yeah. your view on this existential issue is in a sense right and and that's that's the thing so I'm, I'm saying it didn't work quite as well for me as it did for the two of you but that's not to bash the movie at all this is a strong strong probably you know the the, the strongest of my eight that I can give without going to a nine right this is this is up there so beautiful beautiful movie and Go it is running this. at 96% on the tomato meter shame on those 4% people who did not <laughs> like it well uh, shame on you for not giving it a 10 then <laughs> well it's not the greatest movie ever made <laughs> um, someday 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 uh, also shout out to um celine song this is she's she's like she, I've looked at pictures of her. She looks like she's in her 30s. Wow. Um, this is her writing, directing debut. I can't wait to see what she does next. Uh, to come out of the gate with something like this is just Ugh. amazing. Uh, um, when this movie is, is released, and I think it releases very soon, you know, it will be the best movie playing in town. And you should seek it out if you care for 
good cinema and independent cinema. And if you complain, you know, studios are just giving you crap. Well, here is a studio which is giving you really good stuff. You you should watch Past Lives. The, mo- the movie uh, I was going to mention here, I thought about it and went away, Nomadland, and it's kind of got the Chloe Zhao vibe where it's kind of dreamy dreamy and, and, and subtle. At least it had that for me. I mean, I think it's more accomplished. Yeah, it's way more accomplished. It's, it's got much more of a linear storytelling than a Chloe Zhao, I think. Sure. Yeah, no, no. And I'm, I'm not just kind of trying to find I'm I'm just trying to find what this movie felt like to me so yeah. throwing out Terence Malick with throwing out Chloe Zhao and it's all these kind of very it's um, ethereal yeah it's got this ethereal they're not heavyweight yeah it's not heavy handed in terms it's of it's very very dialogue. delicate yeah it's yeah. very delicate and like you Rashmi I'm so glad I did not watch the trailer for this movie before I saw it and like you I did watch it afterwards because I recommended it yes. to a couple of people and I completely missed out on certain visual motifs in the movie. I mean, there is a scene where the little, when they're kids, yes, he's in a car. the statues. Yeah, the statues. Yes. He's in a car and there's an exact same scene yes. of the older guy in the car with, with, with the seat down. So visually, this, act, this filmmaker is doing a lot of stuff. Even when they first separate in Korea, they literally go, watch that scene. The two yeah. kids literally go in, in the, the yes. road literally breaks in front of them they physically walk on different paths i gasped when that when that scene played i literally gasped because i was like they're not going to say goodbye and and there's nothing it doesn't (gasps) seem gimmicky it just seems right it's real it's real yeah Yeah. Yeah. anyway i'm scared to make too much of the i know you already did nine out of ten (laughs) (laughs) all right okay the last movie that we're going to discuss today is the movie Freddy Got Fingered? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Is the movie uh, horrible? Is the movie uh, uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse? So I thought that the that the first one in this series, which was an absolute breakthrough, we all loved it, which was Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I thought it came out two years ago, but. It did not. It came out five years ago wow. in, in 2018. And now we are in 2025. I would not think that. I would we're not in 2023, think. not 2025. Yeah, but it came out in 2018. So no, five, I know, but you just said ago. we're in 2025. Oh, no, I, I meant we are in 2023, yeah. <laughs> just arguing with you. More coffee, yes. <laughs> what is wrong with... Uh, you. Uh, with <laughs> me, well, plenty wrong with me. <laughs> Okay, so uh, this movie is the the second in in you know in in line after the original movie, and you know if I think if anybody has not seen that original Spider Verse movie, they really should seek seek it out. Um, you know, it really was a breakthrough in terms of animation, in terms of structure, in terms of the whole concept of the multiverse, which people were throwing around. It was never really working and people were using it to be lazy in their storytelling or bringing back dead characters or what have you. And that original Spider-Verse kind of really crystallized it so beautifully. Um, so the bar was very, very, very high for me personally, because I have such high regard and such high esteem for that original movie. So I went into this with a lot of trepidation and we will talk whether the movie met that, that bar or not. But here is the 2023 sequel. It's called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, not Into. It's Across the Spider-Verse. And um, 
It's uh, directed by uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. And uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who we know from so much stuff. They did the Lego movies. They did, uh, you know, they, they, they were the original writers for the Spider-Verse movie as well. Uh, along with David Callahan, they've written the script for this one as well. And uh, the summary is that Miles Mo- uh, Morales, uh, who was the alternate Spider-Man in that animated movie, well, one of many, he catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Pretty vague. Uh, the movie stars, uh, you know, just just an embarrassment of riches in terms of voice talent. Uh, Shamek Moore plays Miles Morales. Haley Steinfeld plays uh, love interest Gwen Stacy. Oscar Isaac is here playing Miguel O'Hara. Uh, Luna Lauren Vallis play, uh, acts, voices his mom. Jake Johnson plays uh, Peter Parker. Issa Rae is here. Andy Samberg is here. Daniel Kaluuya. Jason Schwartzman plays the surprising uh, bad guy spot, the villain in the movie. Brian Tyree Henry is here. Karan Sony. Greta Lee, who we just talked about on Past Lives. Also voices. Really? Yes. Lila in the movie. <coughs> Mahershala Ali, uh, Jarell Joman, Amanda Stanberg, Jack Quaid, many, many. Rachel Dratch are in this movie. Very A lot of uh, big name actors. High expectations. Big movie. What did you guys make of Spider-Verse? Sorry, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, you know... I was pretty annoyed when I knew that they were going to make a sequel to Into the Spider-Verse because as a standalone piece of art, it it's pretty stunning. Um, I won't, I, I, I can't tell you just how um, impacted I was by the visual style of the original um, Into the Spider-Verse. I'd never seen anything like it. I watched a couple of things on Vox about how it forced animation to move beyond kind of what was the Pixar style of um, kind of almost uh, photorealistic, you know, highly stylized, but, you know, very real world looking. Um, They took a huge risk here with the directors um, when they first came up with the concept, actually had to pitch it to the studio and the studio was like, not sure people want to see something like that, but Mm. they took the risk and they paid dividends. That movie was... Um, as visually arresting as anything I have seen. And I'm not just talking about animated movies, but I'm talking about the entire bodywork of film. This is something new, something. So I, I don't know how you can repeat that. And sure enough, you know, as is the case often with sequels, to have the same impact, it has to be twice as good to be half as well received. Well, they achieve that here visually. I came out and the first comment I made to, again, to the person, you know, who, who wanted to take initial reactions was, you know, it made my eyes bleed. I mean, it was absolutely almost to a fault, distractingly beautiful to watch. Um, but it, it does manage somehow, and I'm still trying to figure out in my brain how they were able to elevate the visual impact of Into the Spider-Verse in this one. They did it here. Not only that, but they also took the story very bravely um, into uh, you know an expansion. Um, we spend a lot of time with Gwen Stacy as well as the main character Miles Morales. There's some wonderful things at stake. I'm not sure about the bad guy. I'm not sure about the thing. And 
I'm just going to say it right now because the whole world knows, but I was not expecting this was a middle movie of a part three. Part three is coming next year, and I can't wait. This was stunning. It checked all the boxes that I didn't think it would be able to, and it has somehow um, gone above and beyond my expectations, which were already high for a movie that set an impossibly high benchmark. Stunning. Yeah, I agree with Joe. Um, I think um, <clears throat> the first 10 minutes are so frenetic. There's so much going on. I almost couldn't keep up. And then I found myself just being washed over by this beautiful art that I was watching with a reasonable story through the course of it. And then when we got towards the end, I was thinking, where is this going? How is this going to come together? And it sneaks up on you so smartly. You're like, <gasps> like you literally gasp because it comes together so well. And I like the fact that actually, I think this is more Gwen's story than Miles Morales, which I really like. I think that's really brave as well. And I really love the creativity of the bad guy. Spot is a really, it's a really creative concept. And I've seen something similar, but just the creativity of having these black holes that are generated from this baddie, it's unbelievable. It was so entertaining. I love this movie. And I can't believe it's that long and you don't even feel the time go by. It's really good. Yes, D. Yeah, like you, uh, Joe, I thought that, you know, there's no way this movie can ever match, you know, the, the just how groundbreaking the first one was. And, you know, maybe the only other example is the Godfather film. But this one, I think the second one is as groundbreaking as the first. And, and for us to even say that or admit that, considering the high bar says, you know, how accomplished this film is and... Um, there's only a handful of, or maybe just a couple other podcasts that I listen to. One of the other ones I listen to is the Pop Culture Happy Hour, who discussed this movie at great length. And one of the things they said is that, you know, with what this movie has accomplished, every other animated movie should feel bad about themselves. Right? <laughs> they should, because because they, you know, so much of so much of the stuff we watch. I mean, there's some amazing, miraculous, wonderful animated movies, but every other movie is just rehashing it either in style or in content and this movie is at every level so visually i think this movie is just you know upping upping i mean just there are three or four other spider-man in this and the way they have been yeah. rendered like visually there is a punk spider-man who looks like it looks like there's a cutout of a comic book at every mm -hmm. time the uh, Lego, the Lego Spider-Man. I mean, it's just, there's so much energy and creativity and thought which has gone into this. It's just mind-boggling. Um, and I also like the fact that, you know, usually, knock, knock, fast and furious, you know, usually when you're, when you're trying to do a sequel, you want to get flashier, right? You, you want to be, you want to have twice as many explosions. And this movie has, has, the good sense to kind of instead of becoming, you know, about other things or, you know, leaning into something else, they actually lean into the original characters and get dive deeper into them. And there's a towards the first half, there's this wonderful piece about Miles Morales 
and his parents, which has I which should have no room in a typical, you know, Marvel superhero movie. And it's there's no other reason for it to exist than to demonstrate good writing and for us to get to know these characters better. And that, you know, I think any parent who goes with their kids to watch this, it's going to resonate as much for them as it is for them. That kudos to them for doing that. Yeah, it, this, this is, you know, such such a high high degree of accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that the movie does so well is it explores the 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 weight of the Spider-Man character in terms of what it means to wear the mask. Right, the, this notion of um, you know, Spider-Man has to, the, the original Peter Parker always had to balance this, you know, being an ordinary person and being this superhero. Miles Morales has to balance that. Gwen has to balance that. The conflicts that they have with that in their personal lives. And then this multiverse exploration of ultimately one of the key, you know, in, in the movie, it refers to it as the canon uh, moment in time. But yeah, the, I love the, it. Each, even though it's a multiverse and there are different themes on that, the, the same beats of the story have to almost play out in each Spider-Verse. And it, it really, really well explore, it explores that really well in, in a way that I, I was not expi- expecting it to. It has you know, a real punch to kind of what it means to be Spider-Man. I love that the movie slows down when it needs to. There's a delightful moment when Miles and Gwen are sitting upside down in New York. Beautiful. The cinematography. Yeah. In that moment, the writing and the dialogue and the interplay between the characters, um, again, has such a heavyweight emotional punch. And I'm going to use that in, 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 in juxtaposition to the movie we just talked about, Past Lives, where I found that personally more impactful than the Past Lives movie, just because it was so so artfully and beautifully done and not expected in a movie that is ostensibly a, a, a pop culture, you know, comic book movie. So, you know, it, it affected me very, very, very deeply. Um, and, and yeah, I, I'm just, I just marvel at any 10 second sequence from that movie has probably got more work put into it than the entire duration of any of Disney Pixar's last five movies. And that's that's honestly, you know, it, it makes them all look lazy as the, you were making the point that not it, me, it, those those, those, those guys. Yeah, it does. It may it makes what they do look like they just push a button, hit render, and you know, spit spit out the movie. Whereas here, every single frame could be paused, blown up, and I would have it as artwork on my wall. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's not a single second of this movie that isn't that beautiful there's there's a beautiful section filmed in like a bombay mumbai manhattan you know an indian spider verse and just watching it from an indian lens it's it's so beautifully created and authentic around being in india like the time that's taken and i imagine it's the same for every spider of us that they've created right they've really taken time to make that universe real in that country um so i just love what it brings from that perspective as well and again just this um just the way it beautifully explains in an undumbified way, what the what the multiverse is again, and I think you made the point in the last um, the last one that we reviewed. You know that they 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 did a really good job of that. So much so that it's allowed other movies now to cash in on that multiverse concept. Everything everywhere wouldn't have worked if the spider correct if, if spider verse correct into the spider verse correct explain the multiverse to me correct. 
So, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, it's funny you mentioned about that 20 minute piece, which is set ostensibly in, in Mumbai in yeah. India. Um, I wanted to like dig you in the shoulders, you know, in the, in the, in the waist, I, kind of like, oh my God, he has these, this, I was isn't think, it so real? Yeah, I was thinking about it. If I was asked to write, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I think that if I was right, asked to write about this, how would I do it? And the thought which came to my mind was, oh, I would set it at like the Gateway of India, which is set in Bombay. But I'm like, that would be kind of tacky because that's where everybody would go. So the very fact that it's authentic, but it's still not as expected, that that 15, 20 minute stretch, again, speaks to how much thought and care has gone into it. So I think visually, it just leaves everybody behind in the dust. There's no question about it. At every point, there is a, some some might say far too extended, for me, not so extended. There's a whole part about them taking off on this rocket, which lasts about 15, 20 minutes in the movie. It's visually just so marvelous, that considering that you're so invested in this when it's all fake. Um, so, I mean, just, and even the animation styles, when people are thinking, there are pieces of this movie which just look like a strip of a comic book for extended periods of time. Like, like it's it's really blended. You know, there are even, there are even uh, front pages of comic books we see, almost yes, as chapter yes. dividers. But it's, so, so, you know, artistically, it's, it, visually, it's so accomplished. But then even in terms of the content, in terms of how it's explaining the multiverses, this whole thing about, you know, the canon that's explained so wonderfully. And I think, I didn't realize this, but there is, and I'm not giving anything much away, but there is, there is a part in the movie where one of the Spider-Mans actually realizes that they're in the wrong Spider-Verse. Yes. And who has done this? It's so clever. And at the same time, it becomes instantly identifiable because how many times have we felt like, oh, I'm in my wrong universe? You know, because everybody feels they're different. Everybody feels they are not adjusted. Everybody feels nobody understands them. And here is this little animated movie, which by very clever writing finds a literal representation of literally being in the wrong universe. So there is, you know, I, I don't, Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller, you know, obviously they they are two of the writers, but I, but you know, as as those other the guys on Pop Culture Happy Hour said, it's not just them; it's everybody else and their team of people who worked on them. I I don't know what they did with the ending credits, but it seemed like the credits ended in maybe three or four minutes. Whereas, you know, for any other Marvel movies, like the CGI, there's like thousands of names which keep scroll, scrolling, and it seems like. A small, a much smaller subset of people have done something, Magical. I don't know, 1,000 times better. So it's like everything is at the service of everything else. It's all coming together and clicking so nicely. And, you know, when the Fast X movie did this, I was like, are you, you know, you don't deserve this ending. You are not Lord of the Rings. You are not Star Wars. When this movie did it, I actually like said, yes. Yes. I heard <laughs> okay. you. No, I didn't. I was like, okay, yes, you've earned this. You've earned the right to end this movie like how you did it. So it's a triumph. It's an absolute triumph. Yeah, I've got nothing more to say about this. I can I can wind this one up. This is easily, easily an eight out of ten, almost a nine. But yeah, I think it's an eight out of ten for me. Really, it's a good high eight. Um, I, I love this movie. Uh, you know, for me, um, you know, I had a very different response to the end uh, of the movie, Yazzie, because I had no 
clue. I did not either. Me neither. I had no clue. So uh, this would have been a 10. No. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm really? docking it a point. Because, because of the air? Because it's not self-contained. They needed, oh. they, 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 and, and literally it, it was. But did it, did it matter? The, the ride I, was I, so wonderful up to that point. It, it was, but I, I want, I, I'm, I'm basically doing this to penalize them for, ma- for splitting this movie into two. Um, and uh, like, they'll listen to me uh, because. You know, Too late. <laughs> <laughs> you get more. Because, well, okay, can we, can we watch it next week? Like, I can't, don't right. do this to me. I can't wait till February. What's the matter with you? Um, no, but uh, this is, this is stunning. Um, exceeded all, given the high bar, it's even all the more remarkable that they have exceeded expectations. I freaking love this movie. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. Um, how to say it higher than that. I mean, it, it's stunning. Nine out of 10 and easily, easily, you know, but for the fact there's a Chris Nolan movie coming out this year, this will probably be on the top of my list. Yeah, I'm, I've never done this. I'm going to give two nines in a row. Wow. I, and I don't, I don't dole out my nines, but I think this movie is so accomplished. You know, we haven't even talked about the Miles Morales character and it's very specific, right? I mean, he is from this, Puerto Rican, Dominican, yeah, Dominican and African American heritage. It's so specific. I don't share any of that with that character, and yet everything he's he's his his teenage angst is so wonderful. How many movies have we seen about with characters with? But his teenage angst is is rendered so perfectly, uh, and that a very very busy, arguably one of the busiest animated movies takes time. To, to stop and breathe that portion of the movie into its overall narrative as well is just is just remarkable. Um, yeah, I you know we have we're going to watch the Disney uh, the Pixar movie Elemental, which is coming up. I honestly don't see how anything can match this, at least in terms of animation or even otherwise. I don't know how Opp- Oppenheimer is going to uh, easily, but uh, is either. But we'll see. Uh, I think everybody who is in this movie should just you know, restfully, they can just take a break for the rest of their lives. This can stand on their CVs with pride. Uh, This, I hate to indulge in extreme things, but people are, people are hyperbole, but people are already saying, is this the best animated movie ever made? I'm not going to argue against it. It could well be. I'm not saying it definitely is. Maybe I need to let this settle in and watch it again after six months, but it certainly doesn't seem like hyperbole. Well, I think it certainly pushed the art form as yes, far as it has ever been pushed. Nothing. Lazy There's nothing like about this any ever. Aspect of ever. This movie. The writing, the animation, the acting. I mean, everyone worked their asses off here, and it shows. Boy, does it show! Just the and different styles melding together, and is the spot thing already in the comic books, or did they I come up with it? I believe it's an existing character. I don't know. I'm not a because I'm not that much like of a comic you said, book. like you said, that's so clever because it starts so off, clever. It starts off almost silly and goofy and yes. comical. Yes, and then you realize the weight of you know possibilities in terms of it, and even in terms of the action sequences, it plays it. So it's cleverly. phenomenal um, because anybody can kind of go in and out of those holes. holes. Yeah. yeah. Jason uh, Schwartzman. Jason Schwartz. Who I love. <laughs> Jason yeah. Schwartzman, Schwartzman plays him. Yeah. So, you and didn't I just, score it. I just, what? You didn't score it. A nine out of 10. Oh, I, I, no, sorry, yeah. I missed it. Sorry. And, uh, 
Yeah, and I, I just want to watch that rocket launch all over again. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. So good. Mega, mega stuff. All right. Um, again, we runneth almost an hour, but we had a lot to say about that one. So thank, and three movies. Thank you. Yes, thank you for listening. Um, let us know what you think of these movies. Mail at movieforwellness.com. You can also interact with us via our Facebook page and Instagram and um I don't know, various other social media that we are very poor at managing. Until our next episode, thank you for listening. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. 